0: you are listening to the wei network the content and opinions of the following show are solely those of their show host the wei network its staff and its affiliates are not responsible for its content any questions or comments should be made directly to those show hosts thanks for listening to the
1: wei network
2: hi everybody and welcome to peter's living room here on the world entertainment and information network and you know if you listen regularly and i know a lot of you do I've had some incredible guests talking about such an array of topics, everything from writing mystery novels to uh, performing on stage or in films and TV, uh, stand-up comedy. We've spoken with um, leadership pro- people who run leadership programs and people who are into the paranormal. And the uh, I, but I'm really happy today because I feel like. Today's going to be one of those days that my mental data, the database in my head, is going to increase tremendously. I have with me Elizabeth Dale, who is the author, much more than an author, but she's an author of a book, and the book is The Bra Zone?
0: Yes. Yeah. The Breast Life Guide to the Bra Zone, How to Find Your Ideal Size, Style, and Support.
2: Okay. So my first question from the guy is, it's really that difficult to find the bra?
0: Yeah, because think about it. Every woman is completely unique right. and different. And it's sort of like finding shoes because not every brand fits you, right, in the same way. Right.
1: That, so women
0: have, and also, women are dealing with basically having moving targets on their chest because from the time you develop— In puberty all the way past menopause your breasts are constantly changing so you've got two things going on you have all of these different kinds of bras out there and sizes and the sizing system that's kind of confusing and then you've got the moving target issue where you you know your boobs could be in fact most of us wear two different bras in one month right so we have to wear a different size bra when you know you know it's, it's that time of month
2: right right i can understand that without a doubt And actually, I've even seen that, you know. But, um, you know, one thing um, when I was reading up on this, all right, so, you know, I'm the typical husband and and boyfriend and then husband and everything. And I've definitely been in uh, the ladies' department of a store or a specialty store and gone shopping. You know, I stood there. We call it the schmuck chair, basically. You know, you (laughs) go in, she goes shopping, and you sit till she's done. Right. Now, I've seen and I've heard she's an A, a double A, a C, a double D. I never heard a double K.
0: Oh, well, that's because people are always focused on the A to D, which is really an old-timey way of um, of sizing. And that goes back to basically the 40s. And when you think about it, think of all the ways that – materials have changed now we've got spandex and lycra and we have all of these different materials so it changes sizing tremendously yeah but a woman a woman isn't just one size anyway because every single brand has their own fit standards and they're all made differently and just like a very well-made expensive pair of shoes differs greatly from a pair of you know flip-flops you would wear at the beach that's what you've got in bra manufacturing Right, got it all over the place. So, and also, women aren't cup sizes. That's the weirdest thing. Like you talk about double K and going all the way up there, but you know, cup size is actually makes no sense unless you're relating it to your band size because it's about breast volume over and across the band. Right. So, therefore, a twenty-eight G has the same cup size volume as a thirty-eight B cup. So that's where a B and a G are equivalent.
1: Okay. What's happened,
0: what's happened with boobs, and nobody's really talking about this much, is that younger women seem to be getting larger breasts at an earlier age, and you, you get this phenomenon called the deep cup bra, which is a hot new thing in, in bra manufacturing now. So you have all of these small ribs, 28, 30, 32, and they are, you know, wearing F-G-H-I-J-K cups.
2: I've got to think somebody was wearing a K-cup, they've got to have back problems.
0: But it Mm -hmm. depends on which bra they're wearing. I mean, interestingly enough, there are bra companies that specialize in this size, and they make them anywhere from uh, B to, um, you know, K. Uh They know how they're structured and how they work. So you can get beautiful bras. In J and K, and a lot of women are very happy and okay with their breasts if they have the right support.
1: Yeah.
2: Then
0: again, many women are going in and getting breast reductions too. So, there's right. the two sides of that.
2: Right. So, you know, out of curiosity, you know, you know, a girl goes through puberty. And you know the the uh, you say oh she's got, you know got the breasts of a young lady and uh, you get older whether it's at childbirth and age or just age and things seem to sag a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So you're telling is it fabric is it shape? Uh, what is it that's going to uplift the woman so she feels good and makes it appear like she's got those perky boobs that she had twenty years ago?
0: Well, right. Uh, you know, in my case, I just, you know, want them to, like, be lifted up past my elbow is what I always say. Um, but
2: you, you don't want to trip. You don't want to trip over them. But right.
0: also, you know, the thing is women don't realize that the structure of a bra... Especially, there are different. There are two major kinds of bras. There are the seamless cup bras, you know, the ones that look like they already have the boobs in them. Yeah. Sort of like, you know, when they're sitting there by themselves. And then there are the cut and sewn bras. And basically, in general, the more seams you have, the better support. Sort of like building a bridge. Uh-huh. And um, so you want to look for seams that bring your breasts forward and lift them up from the bottom. So that means... A center seam that comes up the front, um, and sometimes there are what are called side support seams that bring everything from under your armpit forward. Uh, so those are the things you're going to look for, especially if you want that more of that uplift look, that right. higher up on your chest look. Right. And you're bigger, you're definitely going to look for the more seams, the better, basically.
2: You know, it, it's funny, coming from the guy's point of view, Uh, You know, I can go shopping. I could buy a package of underwear, a package of socks, a shirt and a pair of pants. I'm ready to go. And it always seems that whenever it comes uh, to women's wardrobes or or the vanity and makeup or, you know, whatever, hair, uh, you women really have it hard. You've really got to work at, you know, making yourself presentable to go out for an evening.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think part of it's just what we want to do, the way we want right. to present ourselves. I mean, we have this eye for beauty. Everyone does. Right. And fashion is a lot about that. And when you think about fashion, you know, I'm not going to wear, you know, uh, a pair of high heels to go out running and jogging. Right.
1: Right. right. I,
0: I, I'm going to wear different shoes for my everyday work clothes than I will when I go out at night. Right. That's the way your bras are. It's the same exact thing. They fit with the rest of your fashion. They fit with your shoes. They fit with your clothing. Um, And, in fact, if you go out, if a woman goes out and she's buying seasonally, she's going out in the fall to buy new clothes, she definitely should be buying bras along with that because, you know, she's got a beautiful new dress, and then she's got this ratty old bra underneath that's not supporting her. She's not going to get her money's worth out of the dress, that's for sure.
2: Right, right. What was it, um, I'm I'm just trying to envision, here you are, you know, a a young girl, you're a teenager coming into womanhood, Uh, when was it that you saw your calling being educating the female population on buying the right bra instead of following some other path in life?
0: Oh, it all came out of me dealing with my own boobs. And uh, I was in a creative writing class, and I was not—I was probably forty-seven, forty-eight years old at the time. I was in a creative writing class, and um, I was struggling with my own breasts. And I had lost a bunch of weight, and I had what's called a breast lift, um, also technical term mastopexy. But uh, it's not having implants; it's just basically getting the loose skin removed from your breasts. Yeah. Uh, once again, I have had three children. I'd gone up and down the alphabet cup and um, you know, my body had changed a lot.
2: Couldn't just do my... a, just couldn't get a magic bra, huh?
0: Uh, no, because no, you know, actually I didn't even look good in my bras. Right? Uh-huh. My my boobs didn't even fit. I was like folding them up inside my bra. It was okay. depressing.
1: so <laughs> I
0: decided to have the surgery and just as I was coming out of the surgery, I was taking a creative writing class and I, I had this aha moment where I realized that my breast had changed my entire life from the time where I was developing and my boobs would walk in the room before me, because I was very large-breasted when I was younger, to going, again, up and down the alphabet cup through three kids, then um, losing weight. And so my whole life they had changed, and it wasn't just with surgery. Um, So I wrote a story about it, and I called it my memoir, because everybody else in the class was writing memoir, so it made sense. Yeah. And it was through this process that I discovered that women had a lot of questions about their breasts, and I decided to write my first book. So I came up with the idea for my first book, signed with an agent, and uh, she sold my book before I wrote it. Wow. And that is the story of me taking care of not only my own boobs but everybody else's
2: all right well and I know you've been on uh, you know the talk show circuit and you uh, contribute to Huffington Post and you do a lot of public appearance talking to women uh, and uh, giving them support and um, making sure that pun they,
0: intended. <laughs> excuse me no pun intended no, yeah yes
2: yes no pun no pun intended the um, and and you have a website the breastlife.com. Right. Exactly. Did the book come uh, after the uh, website, or did you create the website because of the success and the interest in the book?
0: Um, well, my first book, that's where the website came from, and I was speaking to groups, and I decided that it's really, you know, our breast life, because women's breasts change from the time they develop them all the way past menopause. In fact, one out of five women discovered that they have bigger breasts when they go through menopause so it's like they never stop changing our whole lives yeah and we have different needs sometimes we need to wear a nursing bra sometimes you know god forbid we have to have you know health issues and we have to wear a pocketed you know um mastectomy bra so there are all of these different things that we do with bras and our breasts which are basically you know out there for the world to see all the time so that's where that really came from and I you know wrote the bras in. uh because I was really tired of women thinking that they were just one one size, one cup, and being very limited in their thinking and taking it out on themselves. You know, that you probably heard that statistic, 85% of women are in the wrong size bra.
2: Oh, yeah, I, I, that's it, part of my everyday conversation. Right, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: you know, it's usually the way people talk yeah. about bras. They say that, you know, it's more... 90% of women are wearing the wrong size bra. Well, it's really 100% because it depends on the brand.
2: And I have and to, again, you, and, and from my end, I agree with you because any relationship I had, whether it was, you know, a significant other or wife, whatever, that always seems to be something. I hate my bra. I have to go bra shopping. I don't like the ones I have.
0: Right. And I wanted to empower women to um, feel better about themselves uh, in in being able to take charge of their chest, so to speak, and not have to, especially if they live in the middle of nowhere and don't have access to a, you know, a really great bra fitter or a great store that they can just do it for themselves. The other part is that, you know, basically bra wear has changed. It's now really an international market. And there are different bodies of you know people wearing bras. I mean, there are men wearing bras now. Um, and thanks to things like gynecomastia, which is excessive male breast growth.
2: Right, um, or, or that the Seinf-
0: hormones or, yeah. or medications or things like that.
2: Or that Seinfeld uh, episode with the man's ear. It's what? Do you remember the Seinfeld episode with right,
0: the Right the Man's ear. Right. But see here. Here's the interesting thing about a man who develops breast. and I'm not talking about a guy who's a cross gestureer. I'm talking about a man who is dealing with breast tissue and th- thinking, I got to contain this, I got to go to work, I have to be able to walk around. I want this lifted you know, they have back problems or whatever. When men go out to buy a bra, they do it a lot like they you know go out to buy like a power tool or a lawnmower. They're just interested in they don't care about the money. Uh-huh. Want to have whatever it is that's going to do the job for them. Right. So the men, the men that are writing to me on my website and that are you know asking me for advice, they don't mind. They're ha- they're happier than women to buy expensive bras because they want the bra to do the job. So it's really interesting to see their approach to bra buying is much different than a woman's who's like, oh, nobody's going to see it. I don't want to spend a lot of money on it. And really, if you're not wearing something that makes you feel good whatever you're wearing over it isn't going to make you look good either
2: yeah yeah so when you do your public appearances and speak in front of groups whether it be all women men and women whatever uh, do you find that generally speaking the conversation that people are um, feel free talking about the problems and about their breasts or do they most of them just sit and listen
0: uh, you know, they, it, it depends on the group, but right. especially if it's all women, then they start opening up about stuff. They can't wait to talk about boobs because, to be honest with you, there is not really a place where we get to talk about them. I mean, we can see them everywhere, they're on. but there's not a lot of discussion about them. And bra fitters see that when women go into a dressing room, if a bra doesn't fit them, they tend to blame their breasts. Instead of thinking about the style or the brand or whatever, uh-huh. take it out on themselves because they don't really see a lot of like just boobs hanging out doing nothing, right?
1: Right. <laughs> right. They're the web- all
0: kind of the- like lifted up on a platter on display all the time, but they're not <laughs> sort of a realistic day to day, you know, living with breasts and what goes into that.
2: Right. All right. So I want to go back to your uh, to the, to the website. And on there, of course, you have got, you know, a store and you've got links to places related to buying, you know, bras and lingerie and stuff. But you have one section called the memoirs instead of memoirs. Uh, You get a lot of activity there, people talking about their experiences.
0: Um, you know they do I mean I've seen less activity the last couple of years as more as more and more social media platforms have come out, so yeah. I get more comments now on my Instagram and my Pinterest and places like that yeah but i but I do still have people coming in and uh, you know commenting about that. Um, I also get you know personal emails. they might not want to post it on um you know for all the world to see even if it's right. anonymous. But it is interesting and it's interesting to see the themes that run through there, how you can have two women who are exact same cup size and exact same build have completely different experiences about their breath.
1: Really? Wow. And yeah, and
0: it's just like anything else. I mean it's an individual, unique person and
1: right. you know,
0: I think that that's why I wanted to write the Bra Zone book to let women know that there are all of these different brands out there that are appealing to a different niche audience. And you don't have to, you know, go to the same store that has the same old push-up bra and not much else in it to find what you want. You can now get, you know, vintage-looking bras and more retro-look. You can get something that's very asexual. Um, You can get, you know, sports bras that are you know, like high tech that help you run faster. There are all of these different kinds of bras out there. You can, of course, get like super, super sexy, you know, lingerie for the boudoir. But there's just this whole, you know, realm of uh, bras you can. Because basically, you know, it's like your breasts. They represent different things. They're nurturing. They're sexual. You know, there are all of these different things in your life. They're not just one thing.
2: Right. Without a doubt.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, and you know everybody loves boobs. Let's face it.
2: I don't know anybody who doesn't. I don't either. <laughs> all right, there you uh, go.
0: It's a popular uh, topic.
2: All right. So besides your uh, public appearances, besides uh, BreastLife dot com, the Bra Zone, the books that you have out, um, I heard you kind of dabble in stand up a little bit.
0: Yes, I started doing that um, last year. I took a stand up class in L A. and it kind of got hooked. It's kind of a weird thing um you just you I, I took the class and of course you know at the end they always have the class
2: right you, know. you do it like at the improv or something
0: um I, I've done it at different there's like different theaters in in uh, West Hollywood yeah. theater I've done it at um the back rooms of the comedy store up uh-huh. on Sunset places like that yeah um it's really kind of interesting I I had no idea that there was this whole you know, culture of stand-up in L.A. that I knew nothing about.
1: Oh,
2: it's huge. uh,
0: I had no idea because I was in, I'd actually had classes in brigade. So I had met a couple of stand-ups in that, and they kept urging me to go do it, and I thought they were crazy. Um... And I must say the first couple times I did it, it really was the most frightening thing I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> so.
2: You know, and I, I, I can uh, understand that completely. I remember taking stand-up uh, comedy years ago when I was in New York and realized that I like the writing aspect of it. And I like what I do. I don't want to have to be up on stage, you know, with, with quote, a set. But uh, I, can, uh, I, can, I can do it. Uh, in a conversation and I can you know answer back and kind of let my sick mind go out there but um, yeah yeah, stand up and it's not as easy as people think
0: oh no and they don't realize that you have I mean the first couple times I was up on stage all I was focused on was memorizing memory remembering uh, my lines. Uh, yeah. Remembering the set that I had created because that's what they work with you in a class to right. come up with your seven minutes, right?
1: right? Right.
0: And um so I would be terrified on stage just trying to get through my set and not forget it. But thankfully, um I talk a lot about being an older woman in Los Angeles, being a single woman and dating and what that's like in LA. And um And I I talk about one of the things about getting older is that, you know, you you forget things and you don't really care because I could bomb on stage that night and I won't remember in the morning. (laughs) Um, And the good news about that line is it comes in really handy when I forget my set because I stop and I say, oh, you're watching a senior moment right now. I'm having one. (laughs) So, um, you know, it's it's kind of funny that you come up with that line and then it happens to you. But uh, it is. It's. I think it's really important, whatever your age and whoever you are and what you do during the daytime is to you know get out of your comfort zone. And oh, yeah. yes, doing stand-up is really scary, but it makes everything else kind of easy. right <laughs> In a way, right. You know it, it's a funny thing that way. and I think it's always healthy to you know do something even if you're not going to do it, as a career, it's good to get out of your comfort zone. It's good to learn something new. It's a great way to meet new people and um, and to be in the moment.
2: Right, and you know that uh, people don't real a lot of people don't realize it, especially when you're uh, more mature, when you're thirties, forties, fifties. You've got a career, whatever it might be. Uh, you can do. You can go up and try stand up. You can play a guitar a- out there. You can do something. As a, um, as, as a hobby because of the passion you have, you don't have to start a new career. It's for the enjoyment and the therapy of it, also.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think we, you know, we sell ourselves short by staying in these little tiny, narrow, right. you know, boxes where, you know, this is what I know and this is what I do. But think how boring that is. If you knew for the rest of your life what would happen every single day, you just would I mean you I, might want to shoot yourself right because you'd like what's there to look forward to, and there's something about you know doing something different that you don't know what's going to happen, and you don't really have your egos not involved like I oh, need to make this my career right when you just let let go of all of that, it's actually more fun
2: right okay yeah. so um on on the website uh, if people want to know if you have you're having any appearances or if they want to buy your book. Is the,
0: where I am and I'll be appearing. Um, and I usually put up my uh, comedy up there under my appearances and any talks that I'm doing as well. And people can also find me on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm all over the place.
2: Under your name, under Elizabeth Dole or the boob lady? Under, or? Um,
0: at, at the Breast Life.
2: The Breast Life.
0: At okay. the Breast Life or Elizabeth Dale. But usually at the Breast Life is where you'll find me. Um, and you can get the book at the Bra Zone. You can find where to buy it on my website as well. But it's on Amazon and, and other stores as well.
2: All right. Well, listen, I, I thank for you. You know, thanks for spending a little time with me. Uh, you know, just the so, fact that I learned about Triple K bras. Uh, I've learned something today. So my, my day is uh, complete.
0: They're Double K, not
1: Triple
2: K. Uh, but double K. The,
0: the, yeah, but that's the deal. Not You know, what is a Double K is equivalent to a different size in the U.S. or U.K. So international bra sizing, that's a whole different animal.
2: Right, right, right. Well, they do that with clothes and shoes also.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, women, can since you can buy from everywhere and they're all in the stores now, it makes it even more confusing.
2: Right. So maybe we still have to learn the metric system.
0: Uh, Yes, (laughs) we do.
2: (laughs) All right. Again, Elizabeth Dale, everybody, The Bra Zone. Find her on thebreastlife.com. Again, thanks a lot. Um, Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the stand-up. And um, hopefully uh, sometime soon we'll follow up and we can talk about the international uh, catastrophe it is buying bras next time. Yes.
0: Okay. Thanks so much, Peter. Take
2: care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.
2: That was Elizabeth Dale, everybody. I hope you learned something about buying bras. Uh, Check her out. Check out her book. She's a very smart lady and a pretty interesting career uh, talking about the different sizes and shapes of breasts. I'm Peter from Peter's Living Room. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.
0: The WEI Network is the world's entertainment and information network. Talk radio and entertainment from prominent individuals and business owners, as well as national and local celebrities, plus live interviews and broadcasting of events. Do you need a marketing and promotions for your next business or organization? Contact the WEI Network at 561-290-4597 or email us at inquiries at weinetwork.com.
2: You know, I know a lot of our listeners out there are products of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, baby boomers, uh, and more. Well, if you were there back in those days, you remember the topless controversy of the mid-60s. If you weren't, this might give you an idea of what it was like. Well, the inside story of the origin of topless bathing suits, goes something like this. Uh, The topless bathing suit uh, began simply as a prediction. One day in 1963, in an interview, fashion designer Rudy Gernwich commented that in five years, every American woman will be wearing a bathing suit that is bare above the waist. After saying it, he realized that if he didn't make that topless suit immediately... Somebody else would. But the question was, should he? Before he could decide, Hess Brothers Department Store in Allentown, Pennsylvania, ordered some. Then other stores across the United States did too. Gernrich put the suit into production. One of the things that focused national attention on the topless suit was that in 1964, which was in an election year, and the Republican Party seized on it as a symbol of decadence in America. This produced millions of dollars worth of publicity for Genrich, who said in amazement, I never dreamed it would go beyond the fashion business into sociology. By the way, the topless suit was never popular to wear, only 3,000 of them were sold. Well, let's go and take a little look there. Gee. Topless bathing in the 60s. In June of 1964, New York City Commissioner of Parks Newbolt Morris said women wearing topless bathing suits on New York City beaches would be issued summons by police for indecent exposure. LA p- police issued the same warning. In July of 1964, the Vatican newspaper, Osservatori Roma, Headlined an article on topless bathing suits. It was The Ultimate Shame, and it said it negates moral sense. Again, in June of '64, there was an article entitled Back to Barbarism. The Soviet newspaper Izvetsia called the topless suit a sign of America's moral decay. So, the decay of the money bag society continues, it said. And also in July of '64, the topless suit was modeled in the San Francisco Chronicle. Get this, it was modeled by a four-year-old girl. In Dallas, the Reverend Ed Watt and a group of protesters from the Carroll Avenue Baptist Mission picketed a department store that was displaying a topless bathing suit in its windows. Their placards read, We protest these suits in the name of Christ. Watts said that the church action was long overdue. Topless shorts would be next. Well, picketing continued until the department store removed one topless suit it had from its display. There were protesters uh, on and off throughout time. Were these protesters successful? Well, not exactly, What happened was they attracted so much attention to the suit that somebody went into the store and bought it. A little little bit more uh, madness from the 60s. September third, 1962, fresh eggs sold by the bottle are being test marketed by the National Tea Company stores. The secret, which the developer Chicago's David Cleaver Produce Company won't reveal, is in the simple but patentable method of getting the shellless eggs into the bottle without breaking the yolks. Well, the eggs readily pour out of the bottle one at a time, yolks cushioned by the whites.